Today on CityCast Denver. Pizza is a food of myth and mystery, irony and contradiction, community and litigation. It's a food of late nights on 13th Avenue, spilled beer, ripped jeans, a food of red and white checkered tablecloths and grease-stained paper plates. It's the food of my personal dreams and nightmares. And as I learned from my guest today, pizza has been capturing people like me under its spell for hundreds of years. Do you have any questions for me before we get started? I don't, I don't think so. Um, I listened again to the Bojo's <laughs> oh. podcast. Carol Helstosky is a bona fide pizza expert. She's a professor of history at the University of Denver and the author of a terrific book called Pizza, A Global History which made her the perfect person to press on my most vexing pizza questions. Today is Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. Hello. Can you hear me okay? I can. Hey. Sorry about that. I was trying to get out of everything else. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is. I got about a zillion tabs up right now. <laughs> Carol Helstosky, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. So, Carol, we were just off mic trading our pizza quibbles, I don't know, eccentricities maybe, um, and recognizing the fact that there are so many other people who have this same obsession Carol, why are we like this? <laughs> why are you like this, you mean? And why am I like this? Yeah. Or why are people like this? <laughs> why does pizza have this special power over some of us? You know, it's interesting, Paul. When when I wrote my book on pizza, I had no idea what I was getting into. I'm, I'm a historian of Italian consumerism and Italian food. And I like pizza as much as the next person, right? Mm -hmm. But of course, that's everybody. I mean, everybody loves pizza in their own way. Mm. And since the book was published... I became aware of so many people with uh, really differing views on pizza. And, and that strikes me as, as being important or significant as a historian of consumerism, because I can't think of another food that elicits the same emotional response um, and that elicits the range of responses right, that people have. I think you're right. There's something about that, that universality, but then the specificity, like you get to have it your way. Mm -hmm. um, and that actually touches on a theme from early on in your book where, you know, I didn't know the history of pizza. I didn't know the formation of this thing. I think we kind of have to, you know, we're pretty early on here. Let's start with that. Can you tell the pizza origin story? Sure. Uh, and I want to be careful here to say that with the history of pizza, it's, it's hard to do archival research. Pizza was, of course, food of the poor. So who would, right, who, who would, who would record anything about that, right? Mm. There's very few textual resources or sources that historians have to go by. We do know that something called pizza was widely available and commented upon uh, originating in Naples, Italy in the 18th century or 1700s. Pizza became more and more popular, meaning uh, those who visited Naples, so many other Europeans, but also later Americans 
Americans uh, would pass through Naples and route to Rome and Venice and other places. And they recollected or recorded this proliferation of pizzerias and mobile pizza vendors uh, and, and poor people, mostly sailors and workers, buying and eating pizza for a quick filling meal. I love the image of a, a sailor, a fisherman stopping for a slice before getting out on the boat for a day's work. Right. That's just such a beautiful romantic image to me. Right. Or someone grabbing it, yeah, on the way to whatever their job was. But it's interesting to me that with pizza, there's such a strong reaction against those, uh, what I call those kind of working class origins of the food. Like people want to deny that that exists. And yet it returns to that. And pizza became American and sort of became a, a food of the poor again. That's I learned that in your book. Do you want to talk about how pizza became American? Sure. Pizza became American in several ways. The most obvious way was through Italian immigration. They went both to North America, a lot of places in the United States, as well as South America and other parts of Europe. And in particular, when Southern Italians and particularly people from Naples went to these other locations, they set up food that was familiar to them. They opened up pizzerias or sold pizza uh, out of their homes. These places, to my knowledge, were not extremely popular with non-Italians until around uh, the 1950s, 1960s. Um, and then we have another thread of the popularization of pizza in the United States, which has very little to do with Italian migration. And that, of course, comes from the founding or the creation of the two big corporate pizza restaurants or chains or whatever you want to call them. Uh, both Domino's, which starts as Dominic's, and that is uh, founded in 1960 in Michigan. And then, of course, Pizza Hut, which is founded uh, in Kansas, of all places, uh, in 1958. So, Carol, we're kind of getting into one of my favorite topics around pizza, which is authenticity. People are obsessed with authenticity when it comes to pizza, myself included. New York pizza has to be made with New York water, according to one pizza place in town. But people are obsessed with this. That's the point. What do you think makes a pizza authentic? Again, we go back to this question of personal preference, right? And it really depends on who you speak to. Uh, I know, for example, and, and as part of my research, I found that in Naples, Italy, right, the so-called birthplace of pizza, uh, there were an awful lot of restaurants that said, hey, we make authentic Neapolitan pizza. And there were enough people who made pizza who thought, we really need to get some control over this and establish what is authentic Neapolitan pizza. And so they came up with rules. And right, you have to apply for membership right, in this association to say that you offer, that you produce and sell authentic Neapolitan pizza. Everywhere else, though, there is this fascination that we have, one about determining exactly what is authentic, right down to the last you know, ounce of ingredient or pinch of salt or whatever it's going to be, the cooking technique. And we're also obsessed with point of origin. And this is something I found as a historian. I get emails or phone calls all the time asking me, hey, do you know who invented the first blah, blah, blah pizza? Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, as if I have a, a chart <laughs> mm -hmm. with, with names and dates. Right. Well, you brought up one of the most fascinating corners of the pizza world. It's this, this association, this Associazione Verace Pizza Napolitana, which I'm sure I just 
brutalized in my... You did, you did okay. Thank you. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit more about what, what that organization does? Because your book really changed my perspective on them. I used to think they were being snobby, but that's not really what it's about, is it? You know, I think they want to protect pizza as a, a cultural artifact, right? Or an important part of Neapolitan food traditions. So for them, you know, pizza is about more than just attracting tourists or uh, starting a, a corporate chain of restaurants to sell authentic pizza. It's a way of life and it's, it's an integral part of their history. So I totally understand uh, why they would band together mm -hmm. um, uh, and and say this is authentic pizza and it's something that deserves to be protected as one would protect, you know, an, an important piece of art or uh, uh, the ruins at Pompeii, right? But instead of hoarding it, like you might do with an art collection, they wrote it down. They wrote down the recipe and they gave it to the world, Yeah, which is incredible. They're generous, right? And in, in that respect. And also they don't, they don't mind if you set up an authentic Neapolitan pizzeria in, you know, Brooklyn, New York or Tokyo, Japan or, you know, wherever. They don't care as long as you pay the appropriate amount of respect right, to authentic Neapolitan pizza. Listeners might not know this. I bet you do, Carol. There is one place in Denver that has the certification that does it according to the rules. It's called Marco's Coal-Fired mm -hmm. Pizza in uh, in Lodo. Have you ever been to Marco's? I have. It's delicious. I, I'm very fond of Neapolitan-style pizza. That's one of the pizza styles I really like. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is, like, surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. All right, well, we're kind of circling around this. We have to talk about Bojo's. <laughs> So Bojo's is this pizza chain that has restaurants across the front range. They offer squeeze bottles of honey on the table to dress your crust, which many other pizza places around Denver now do as well. When I saw this and recognized this as an outsider, I thought, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Where did this come from? I've never seen this before. Everybody said, Bojo's, go to Bojo's. I went to Bojo's, talked to them, and they're like, yeah, people put honey on it, but what's special about our stuff is it's Colorado style pizza. It's thicker crust. Um, and then, of course, I learned that they have actually trademarked the term Colorado style pizza. So it's this just this big morass of like confusing claims to authenticity, and uh, and at the core of it is this really bad pizza with really dry, big crust. Carol, what is your expert opinion on Bojo's and Colorado style pizza? My expert opinion is my personal opinion as well. I just mentioned I love the Neapolitan pizza in part because I love the crisp 
the crust. I love the char. I love uh, what Italians call the cornicione or the edge or the rim of the pizza. To me, that has to be thin. And anyone who's had Bojo's pizza knows that the mountain pie is enormous, right? It's like a cake or something. It's it's huge. The worst cake you'll ever have. <laughs> and it's spongy and it's thick. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I don't particularly enjoy that kind of pizza, but I can understand, how's this for a a diplomatic response? I can understand how some people, given the context of how they eat that pizza, might enjoy it. I I do too, of course. I mean, pizza's a nostalgic food. People grow up here, going to Bojo's, you know, you like it as a kid. I guess you can, you know, (laughs) whatever, people like it. I don't need to quibble with that. Um, But what about the claim that they make Colorado style pizza? You know, how do you feel about that? You know, I, it's interesting to me to see how there's this proliferation, particularly in the United States, of regional style or city style pizzas, right? You have a New Haven style or you have New York style. So Colorado style, that makes sense. I also think that label sells pizza, Mm. right? I get all of that. Now, what is what's interesting to me is the history of that development, meaning you might just get one restaurant, right, that serves pizza in a particular style. And if they get enough people talking about it, uh, then you get a number of other restaurants imitating that, where maybe it becomes problematic. And I know you know the history behind this is for any one restaurant or any one individual to say, okay, this is the way that, you know, this particular style of pizza is. Yeah. What I'm most fascinated by it's not so much the ingredients of the pizza itself, but what people do with pizza. And people are incredibly creative and they come up with amazing ideas. So I appreciate pizza when everyone has a say, right? And, and everyone can, can do their own thing with pizza. That to me is, is fantastic. Um, so uh, to, to not have any one individual or entity saying, oh, no, this is the way we, we make pizza and this is the only way. You know, I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know about that either. But I, I, I totally agree with you. It really is like what's special about it is the universality and then how everybody gets to personalize it and then how a region sort of develops a relationship between the people and a style that they like. Like that's the exciting part, not the just putting a brand name on it, not turning it into a brand name. That's not, no one wants to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Building on this Bojo's thing and the Colorado style pizza conversation, in general, do you think there is something unique to be learned from a region by their regional style of pizza? Wow, that's a really interesting question. I think to an extent, yes, there is something to be learned. I come from Connecticut, which is part of the pizza belt, and was fascinated to learn that a striking percentage of the pizzerias that opened up in Connecticut, my home state, were not opened by Italian immigrants in in many areas, but by immigrants from Greece. All right. So I found out that I grew up eating Greek pizza, right? Huh. And and that doesn't necessarily mean that it has Greek ingredients on it. It's just prepared in a different way. And so when you begin to sort of analyze or look at the particular regional or municipal style of a pizza, you learn a lot about the history of that place, right? And that that's not surprising at all, because if we think about Naples, right, the very simple um, pizzas with minimal toppings out of whatever you can get uh, really tell us a lot about the history of that city. Right. Fish is a common topping, of course. I learned from your book. Absolutely. So so to me, that 
those regional or, or municipal style pizzas really tell me a lot about the history of a place and a history of, of a people, hmm. right, of communities. All right. Well, here's the follow up that's maybe even harder. What can we learn about Colorado from Bojo's? Okay. Uh, I, I have an answer for this. Uh, Bojo started in Idaho Springs. Is that correct? Mm -hmm, of course. Yep. Okay. So that's right on I-70, which also is sort of an invention of, right, if we think about tourism and going to the mountains, right, I-70 cuts right through the mountains and lots of people go to ski. And so it makes sense if we think about the context of Bojo's Pizza, it makes sense that people coming back from a day of skiing would really want to carbo load, mm -hmm. so to speak, right? So that giant cornichone, right? What I call cake, uh, maybe is appealing <laughs> to them and, and fills a certain physiological and emotional need after a hard day of skiing. I wouldn't know this because I, I don't ski. So I don't know. I don't know the feelings that people might have. Um, in that sense, then I think the Bojo's Pizza is a Colorado type of pizza. I'm not sure it is the style, um, but certainly it, it fills it fills a need. Hmm. How was that for an answer? Was that okay? Oh, was that convincing? It was, it was good. Okay. It was good. I think it was I am I am 90% satisfied. I will continue <laughs> to think about this and dream about this and have nightmares about this, I think. All right. Well, Carol, we have to wrap up. And I think what we need most is a recommendation from you. What's your favorite pizza place in Denver? Ah, uh, there are so many. Um, it depends on what kind of mood I'm in. If I want the New York slice, of course, I like Anthony's. Um, if I want uh, a good veggie pizza, uh, there's a place on Colfax called Enzo's End, um, which to me, uh, they put all kinds of peppers on the pizza. And, and, and I love that, too. Um, I have, we've already talked about Marco's and that's a good pizza as well. Oh yeah, Marco's is great. Enzo's I like because um, you can go to the PS Lounge next door, that dive bar, mm -hmm. and you can have the Enzo's people deliver you the pizza next door and have it at the bar. Yeah. Which is a recipe for a great night. Well, Carol Helstoski, thanks so much for joining me on CityCast Denver. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Tomorrow, Pizza Week continues. Because even with Carol's professional help, I'm still not 100% satisfied with Bojo's and the whole honey on the crust thing. And, and I don't, I cannot, I cannot explain. I mean, maybe someone put the honey down at some point, right? Because that, that crust is so thick. So maybe it was like a biscuit that people wanted to eat with honey. I, I don't know. I, I, honey has no, to me, I, that's the part that I don't get just personally speaking. Ever since I first shared my obsession with Bojo's on the show a few months ago, I've heard from tons of people with theories and new leads to chase down. So join us tomorrow morning. I've got some new info that's going to change Denver's pizza landscape as we know it. Hello, JD here. I'm from Lakewood. I wanted to get in my takes on the pizza. So what I wanted to, my number one, uh, they just renamed uh, themselves Pizzeria Leopold. They're on Wadsworth. It is so good. The things that they're doing with crust over there was just out of this world. I mean, my wife and I talked to one of the owners, and they talked about how they spent a lot of time before they opened perfecting the dough. 
Then I got to give a shout out to Pizzeria Louie. That's also in Lakewood. They used to do everything in a fire oven, but now they, they're so busy that they went to more of a conventional oven you'd see in uh, you know, most pizza restaurants. You know, just because the volume is so high. Uh, they got great stuff. Got to give it up to them. Their logo is great. It's like mountains made out of pizza slices. I've definitely debated whether I should get a tattoo of that or not. Still up in the air. Hey, CityCast. My name is Val, and I live in the Clayton neighborhood. My favorite pizza experience right now is going to Cosmos and getting a slice. I'm an East Coast girl through and through, and I absolutely love just grabbing a slice of pizza and, like, picking it out over the countertop. There's something so satisfying about that, and their pizza's really good. I'm so excited that Paul is just as passionate about pizza as I am, and for Pizza Week, I definitely want to hear more recommendations. Thanks. Hey, y'all. It's Libby calling from West Colfax uh, with a hot pizza take, which is that there is no good pizza in Denver. You have to go to Leadville. Anyway, love the show. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell James Jim Laprino about us? He owns the Denver-based Laprino Foods, the largest maker of mozzarella cheese in the world. You can also rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more pizza from around the city. See ya. My expert tip that I learned from uh, uh, another uh, food historian is before you're going to bake it, you can put it on the highest degree that you can get to in your oven. Uh, But before you put the pizzas in, throw in a few ice cubes. Interesting. Yeah. It really makes a difference in the crust. Wow.